This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that thinks two's company, but three's a crowd, but nevertheless has a special guest this week. I'm Andrew Page, and with me, as always, is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. And a third wheel, could I say, Well, kind of a third wheel. Four. Well, Liam's here as well, so we've got four in the four, room. Four, of course. Of so we can pair up nicely if we need to, you know, go... go. Double date. We'll, do that later. <laughs> we'll hold the intros just for one second. Let's let's talk a bit about what we're Keep talking people in about suspenders. today. Right. Firstly, we man, I say this every week. We just can't get away from this damn topic. We're going to talk a bit about Bitcoin. You say it like it's a bad thing. I I, I love it's a love hate relationship, <laughs> Mr. Phillips. You love to hate it, and I hate to love it. Exactly. There we go. And and uh, our favourite octogenarian has weighed in on the topic. Uh, Warren Buffett himself has given a few thoughts on Bitcoin. So um, because it aligns with my thinking, I thought, hell, let's talk about that. Add a bit of credibility to the argument. Not only that, but there's some new coins coming out. There are some new coins. Don't give it away. Don't give it away. There's only a thousand of them out there. So why not add another type of crypto? There you go. Um, So we'll talk a bit about that as well. But we also want to sort of pivot this into something perhaps a little bit more valuable than just um, us waxing lyrical about the same old stuff. And perhaps (laughs) talk about some of the behavioral biases that are at play. The Bitcoin's behaving badly. What can that tell us about other types of investments? Good call. And we want to talk a bit about valuation. We've got a really good question recently, a bit about, you know, how do I think about valuation? Mm-hmm. You guys tend to talk about that a lot. Let's let's go through some practical steps. Hence, our guest today. A very special guest. A very mystery special guest. guest. A mystery guest. Well, there he is. Well, there, can, you, can you guess? Hey, do we can do like a secret voice thing? <laughs> That's very <laughs> FM, Liam. Can we do that? <laughs> it, is, it is none other not, than... Not me. without a bit more of a heads up. No, no. <laughs> We've got none other than, values, than Mr. Matt Joss Matt himself Joss. from uh, our, our uh, sister service within the Motley Fool. Indeed. TMF Pro, Motley Fool Pro. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you. Very happy to be here. We are going to get you to weigh in and use that massive intellect of yours to, <laughs> to educate our listeners and put Scott and I to shame, which frankly is not going to be too hard. The good thing is by adding Matt to the room, he's actually doubled the IQ. The IQ, is, the average IQ has just gone way up. Um, but first. But first, actually, I'm going to do a but first, but first. Okay. Ooh. And the only reason I'm doing a but first, but first is I do want to pay a little bit of a tribute to our colleague, Mike King, uh, who passed nice. away this week. Yeah. Uh, many of our listeners won't know Mike. He hasn't been a guest on this podcast. Uh, Mike suffered a year-long battle with cancer and did pass away this week. So wanted to pay tribute to Mike. Um, remember him uh, and uh, and go well, King. One, of the, you, one of the good guys, right? Indeed. Just Absolutely. fantastic. Yeah, well said, mate. Thank you, sir. Uh, so, uh, Bitcoin. Um Warren Buffett, everyone knows, has uh, has come out and he's made a few comments yes. uh, on that. And so one of the things he said is, he, I can say almost with certainty that they will come to a bad ending. You picked that one just because it agrees with your viewpoint. <laughs> I totally picked it for that reason. <laughs> uh, did you did you see the interview, Mr. Phillips? I didn't see the interview, but I did see a transcript. Yes, uh, and it was interesting because Buffett takes a a very particular view, where he expresses his view particularly. He yes. doesn't say every crypto is terrible or everything's coming to mm-hmm. going to go badly. What mm-hmm. he says is if he could buy, if he could short every single Bitcoin as a group, yeah. he thinks that he'd do very, very well. In other words, he believes the, the kind of broader, if you add them all together, mm. there's a very good chance you'd lose money investing in all of them. Yep. Interestingly enough, he doesn't choose one or other of the, uh, of the yep. coins and says, this, this will be okay, the rest will be crap or vice versa. Mm. Probably because he doesn't know and doesn't choose to know. And that was the other kind of cool quote from his interview was he said, look, you know, it's hard enough to, to invest well in things I know about. Yeah. Why would I try and invest in something I know absolutely nothing about? So he's basically saying, look, he thinks there's enough speculation, enough hype, enough overvaluation in the Bitcoin world, or the, sorry, the crypto world, yes. that he would stay well away from all of it. 
Um, but he doesn't pick, try and pick winners or losers. He also made the, a further comment as well that it wasn't, uh, so he's obviously bearish on it, but he has no idea when it is going to happen right. or how it is going to happen or right. anything uh, else like that. And that's the thing. Is... So he said that even though he believes this, he wouldn't short it because it just to short means to, to bet on it going down. Yeah. He's simply not sure enough either way. He thinks it'll come, go badly. But again, it's one of those things where it's outside his circle of competence. He just says, look, I don't know. I think it's really smart too. I mean, again, some of us in this room have been bearish on Bitcoin for a while. <clears throat> How's that going? No names mentioned. <laughs> and, and you know, how how <laughs> reckless would it have been to short it? Because, you know, a lot of the arguments that are made against Bitcoin and cryptos are as valid today as they ever were, but the price is, what, four or five times higher when some of those arguments were first made. Mate, so it's still about tenfold since the beginning of last year. You know, yeah. uh, so so it, it is, it is. there is one thing to sort of say, perhaps rationally, perhaps objectively, this thing is a little bit carried away, but when that worm turns is very, very, very difficult. I'm pretty sure you just said, I'm right, but you can't stand to believe it. <laughs> yeah. That's true. So far, <laughs> is, is, is a little addition there. All right. Now, there was another coin during the week that was announced. Yeah. So, you know what? Here's, here's talk about having your finger off the pulse here. <laughs> I wasn't even aware that these guys were still around. Who are these guys? These guys listeners? are Kodak. The the, photography company. This is the, if anyone's ever done a business course anywhere ever, <laughs> this is the business case study that comes up again and again and again. The, the, the multinational film giant that just sort of owned the industry. The, the company that invented the digital camera. Right. Uh, so for anyone younger than us, Andrew, we need to be a little bit. There was a time when you took photos with a camera. Yep. You couldn't see what you took. You had to stand really still. Yeah. And you, you press the and, button, and the guy got under the curtain. No, no, behind. no, not, oh, not, okay. not that old. <laughs> Sorry, right, right. I'm not as old as you, dude. <laughs> okay. So I want to know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different story. And there, so there was a time when you took your photos, you took them into the chemist, you had your film developed. It was developed on some Kodak. Film paper? Yeah. And given back to you, Kodak made a squillion dollar selling film paper. Yeah. Which and is why they resisted the digital right. camera. So some bright spark at Kodak said, yeah. we can do this digitally. And they went, oh, that's a stupid idea. We, we won't sell any film. They had a wreck our business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not again. Not this time. <laughs> not this time. So <laughs> This time it's Kodak coin. So Kodak coin. Now, okay, so let's... let's, let's it's about leapfrogging from, the, from, the, from obsolescence to, uh, to the bleeding edge. It is really state of the art, supposedly. Anyway, yeah. so what they've done, and again, I'm not going to pretend to understand it well, but they've come up with a new platform here and a coin that is associated with that yeah, right to basically do. allow photographers and uh, to manage their digital rights a lot better. So you can do this all through a blockchain platform and interact and trade through that using their cryptocurrency. Yeah. Interesting enough. Uh, Probably, the share probably price of Kodak valid, has probably, tripled since the announcement. Probably a valid technology. But that's where it's crazy, right? Now, I'm, again, talk about being old. I'm old enough to remember back in the late 90s when the, when the uh, tech boom was in full swing, we had... Come on, uh, you were 12 then. <laughs> that's right. Well, I still look 12 is the, is the problem. <laughs> I still get asked for ID. Hashtag humble brain. <laughs> <That's it. clears throat> uh, Moisturise every night, mate. That's, that's, the, that's the key. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Um, and we had all these mining companies and all these other... And all they would have to do is they would add .com yes. to the end of their name and their share price would triple. You know it. And so... Kodak, maybe cynically, <laughs> maybe brilliantly, yep. have added blockchain to the end of their name, and that's exactly what has happened again. So here's the thing, and I think this is the this is the hard thing about blockchain, about cryptocurrencies, about sort of the whole thing is that there is a very decent technological basis for the use of a blockchain type technology for the sort of things Kodak, Kodak oh, yeah, are talking totally. about, yep. and it's very possible that Kodak still has enough cachet among photographers to carry that through and become some sort of standard when it comes to yep. some sort of rights management, some sort of payment system, some sort of process, it, it's entirely possible. 
But like all of these things, putting the odds on this stuff is just incredibly, incredibly difficult. Yeah, but the market is just happy enough with that word blockchain there. So the Long Island Ice Tea Corporation changed its name to Long Blockchain Corp. <laughs> and the shares tripled. Oh, are, you had, way, are you being serious? Yeah, yeah, true. Oh, yeah. I thought you were joking. No, in December, in December. <laughs> oh. and, and there was a, a biotech equipment company called Bioptics, changed its name to Riot Blockchain, and its shares doubled. I'm going to have a word to the boss. I'm going to say Motley Fool Blockchain. <laughs> uh, a big fat bonus for that. Uh, stroke full of chain, there we go. Full chain. Oh, man. It's coming. It's coming. Um, uh, okay. You were asking me how much my uh, Bitcoin was up in. Was, was, uh, was I? Oh, yes. I we, we cut that bit out of the recording. Go on, Yeah, then. yeah let, let, on. let me cut the bit. <laughs> well, so I, I'm only up 145% today. Is that all? Yeah. So what, what's the what's the price in Aussie dollars? Uh, $18,235.07. How high did it get friends. to? doesn't matter. Okay, where, okay. where it is now? That's all right. Get as little digs where he can. Hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. Ask, ask, ask Scott if Here you can go. sell. <laughs> let me, hang on. Let me, let me press the sell button. Why would you sell? Hang on. Hang on. That's right. right let, me, let me press the button. Okay. Sell. sell. No. Oh, damn it. <laughs> this feature is not yet available in your country. Soon. Very, very soon. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. But we thought we'd use the opportunity to talk a little bit about the psychology of investing. Yeah, when it comes to, to yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and, and uh, I'm going to come back to Matt in a moment too to ask yeah. his thoughts. And, and, and just sort of, we, we, need, we need a circuit breaker. This is our podcast, we need someone God to sort of weigh in on who's right and who's wrong here. Um, <clears throat> clue, I'm right. Uh, so, mate, give us, give us... Give us first. We, we've touched on this fairly often because it's yeah. a pretty important topic. But get a very quick a intro on what is it is fun too. What what is a behavioural bias? Yeah. So the, one of the great leaps forward in in psychology and economics, and then the combination of that we call behavioural finance or behavioural investing, is the recognition that humans aren't as rational as we like to think. Mm. The economic models were built assuming perfect rationality. Um, the market models were built the same way. And it wasn't until a couple of psychologists, a couple of Israeli psychologists looked into this more and said, we think we're rational, mm. but we can experiment and show where people make decisions they shouldn't make. Where rationally you would say, well, that doesn't make any sense. And yet the human brain is wired a certain way to make us do, think, or believe certain things. It's amazing that that was an earth shattering revelation. Like, yeah, it took yeah. us that long to realize that actually we're not these perfectly hyper-rational beings. We win all evidence <laughs> is to the contrary. Right. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It, it, like, so one of the simple, and we won't get into this in detail, one of the simple tests that it was to give someone a cup, a mug, yeah. and then give someone some money and say, all right, how much are you going to pay for that mug yeah. versus how much you would want if you have the mug if you want to sell it? And yeah. the people who would buy the mug would routinely offer much, much less than the people who had the mug and were selling it. I love it. One of my favorite biases. Now, before the, before the, they decided the experiment, neither had anything. No. So no one was losing anything. All of a sudden, because you have this mug, and, and, you think so, it's worth $7. Yeah. Those who didn't have the mug said it was worth $2. Yeah. It was the same mug. This isn't a rare commodity, by the way. Right, exactly. I mean, this isn't something that very few people have. It's right, a coffee right. mug, right? Yeah. They so give them away. That's it. This is just a very simple example where just by owning something, the endowment effect, they call the it, by having effect. it in your possession, yes. means you impute a larger or stronger, greater value to that thing than if you didn't have it in the first place. And and how would that relate to <laughs> yes, Bitcoin? Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, if I'm someone like, held it, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothetically, if I had $243 worth of Bitcoin. Um, what is it now? I'll probably change since we started. Oh, $246 now. Hey, easy, man. Hey, made some money. Um, I, I, I don't want to answer that directly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you a story, Andrew. Okay. I'm going to tell you a story. 
And it's kind of the, a story of where behavioral biases can impact our investing. And this is, yes, it's about Bitcoin, but only because it's kind of an easy conversation to have. Mm. This is more about the kind of the, the journey of any investor in any asset class over time. And particularly for us in shares, Bitcoin's a bit of a sideline for us, although we talk about it all the time. Um, the, it, it's just the journey, it's interesting itself, right? So when I was, when I was looking to, you know, do I, don't I buy Bitcoin? How much do I know about it? I bought it in theory because I want to say, well, I want to take, I, I want a bit of skin in the game. So mm -hmm. part of this is exactly, start the first behavioral bias. If you own something, you pay a lot more attention than if you don't. Ain't that true? And so for me, trying to learn about Bitcoin, the easiest way to kind of start following along and be engaged more in the process was simply to buy a hundred bucks worth. So it wasn't going to break the bank either way. Yep. It was just buying some, great, I've got some. Now I start paying attention. I've got the app on the phone. Every couple of days, I'll have a look, or if I think of it, I'll have a look. Yeah. Um, when we come in here, I, I, I pull it up so I can give you a hard time. Uh, <laughs> but largely, other than that, it, it doesn't, doesn't overly worry me. But it's yeah. but owning it now, I'm much more attuned to the price. Yes. So that's the first you, you, part. You're, of, you're invested uh, monetarily, but uh, emotionally as well. Uh, now, again, rationally, you could be just as interested either way. Yeah. But, but you're not. Behaviorally, you're just exactly. not. You're just exactly. not. Yep. You, you will pay more attention to right. it than me because you've got some. Then I try and think about how much money should I invest in this, and I'm like, well. It could be 10 bucks or 100 bucks or 1,000 bucks. I bet you wish you did put 1,000 well, bucks. And that's the thing, right? So you start by saying, how much do I invest in this? Well, 100 bucks feels like enough money. So I can afford to lose 100 bucks. Yep. At that point, it was largely a, if not a straight out gamble, it was, it, was, it was money I could afford to lose. Money I would take to the casino and so I put 100 bucks on the blackjack table. If I lose it all, no big deal. But then it starts to go up. Mm. And then you start to think, maybe I should have put more in this. I knew this was going to go up. Yeah. And so then you start that mind mess, I'll mm. call it. Keep it PG. Uh, of 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 maybe I should have put more in this thing. It's going to go up. It's going to keep, if it keeps. If I put ten, if I put a hundred grand, and you start doing the maths, right? So one hundred fifty percent gain is nice. Yeah. But one hundred bucks doesn't matter. Yeah. Pay, pay, pay for lunch. Yeah. But you start to go well, with that thousand. What are you having for lunch? Well, I'm paying, <laughs> dude, you haven't you have lost your wallet. I'm buying you lunch. That's true. I'm, not that much. Quite quietly lost. Well, yes. there is yeah, that. Right. So so that's the you know you start to think about some of those behavioural biases. All mm. of a sudden it's like maybe I should have put more in. And then you get to a point where it goes up and up and up. And I was over 300 bucks at one point for my $100. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's 250. Mm. And now I start to feel poor because yeah. I've lost some money. Yeah. Now, have I really lost the money? Had I really made it in the first place? That kind of anchoring then also starts to play in your mind. So, and I'll give you, I'll give you one too that I've, I've obviously got, which is the FOMO, right? Which is, you know, haha, it's what is so stupid. You do it, and then and now you're not the first person to do it. Like you're, you're by far not the first person to do it. <laughs> also not the last, by the but way. But you're you're one of you're like you're the only guy I know in my sort of circle who mm. has who has done it. Mm. And and so now FOMO start. Now it's like bugger. You know why I mm -hmm. I didn't feel that bad about missing out until. You know, it's it's when your neighbor. There's nothing. Who's who's the quotes? One of you guys remind me. There's nothing more painful than watching your neighbors get rich. <laughs> yeah, and and it's so true. And so yeah, then it's yeah. like, well, maybe you know, and it, the, the demons sort of come at night, and you think maybe I should do because because the FOMO. Mm -hmm. Another yeah, else terrible, doing, else getting rich. Terrible behavioral bias. Right, um, Matt. We have talked way too long amongst ourselves. About Bitcoin? Here. About Bitcoin? Well, we're not going to... Don't... Hey, hey, steady. We're not moving beyond Bitcoin just yet. I, I want, about Bitcoin? What do you think about Bitcoin I, is what I, I was, Andrew was trying to say. I was going to say, yeah, I am. I'm going to ask you what you think <laughs> about Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to... Maybe if you could give us one of your... A bias that you see at play sure. in that space. I'll give you my one-week price prediction for Bitcoin. Okay. Ooh. No, I'm just kidding. Pen, pen, pen's <laughs> ready. I was about to buy Scott, then. Scott's about to tackle. I wasn't going to sell, but I was going to buy. I wanted to four decimal <laughs> places too. No, so I, I really love investing in the share market because you mm -hmm. get a combination of 
uh, what I'd say like an objective reality of how well the company's doing mm -hmm. and you get all the psychological stuff along with it. <laughs> and so all the fun of investing in the stock market for me is buying those companies when they're well below what I think they're really worth, their mm -hmm. true value. Yep. And uh, that can happen because of all the psychology. The challenge when you're buying something like Bitcoin and something wonderful like Bitcoin <laughs> and like gold is that it's, it's, it's almost purely psychology, right? So gold has a bit mm -hmm. of other stuff. But Bitcoin's purely psychology, and it's it's uh, it's another kind of level of difficulty, I guess, in, from terms of investing. Mm. So I'm I'm definitely not writing it off. Like there's there's talk that Bitcoin could be the next gold, mm -hmm. and if yep. it is, then I think it's worth a lot more, probably like a hundredfold up from where it is now. Okay. Mm. But it could also not be. Like gold's been around for tens of thousands of years as a as a store of value and everything else. If so. I'm going to interrupt very quickly, Let, yeah. let's say it does have a legitimate um, role in terms of a store of value. Mm. Even in that scenario, it wouldn't replace gold, right? Like it might take half of gold's market. Do you, I mean, there will always be, I would just due to the historical significance and the rest of it that even under a very very bullish scenario of store of value argument mm. that, that maybe it takes a third of, maybe, of gold's role i guess why not is the question yeah right? true, true like there's no there's no particular reason we need to mm -hmm. value something that's shiny and that looks good and yeah. everything else and it does have some advantages over gold so yes i guess that's that's a bullish argument in fact i think that's saying we should buy bitcoin and I, think, <laughs> I think it's coming out on my side of the going. argument um, okay, I guess yeah, let's that, move right along. That's enough from that. That'd be the last thing we're going to Yeah, so I think it's it's tough to to put much on. I like the I like the mix that you get with shares of, of valuation and uh, psychology. Yep. So, it's what's no your what, what 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 behavioural bias would you say <laughs> is is sticks out for you when it comes to Bitcoin? Bitcoin. Oh, FOMO for sure. FOMO. Like for I've heard sure. from very smart um, investors. Uh, some might and, be and even, even not um, so smart. Yeah, I think it's a big driver, right? And it's 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 somewhat legitimate, I guess, because it is such a huge change. If it does, if it mm. goes up a thousand fold, you will look pretty silly, right? right. Um, and maybe there's maybe there's a, a case to make of just taking off that psychological edge of not missing out entirely. But um, yeah, I think that that's clearly the biggest one. But it's all it's all it's all it's all biases, I guess. It's all that we have to go on is is psychology for it. Yeah, it makes it super tough. Now that's a nice segue. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, oh, okay. I, I want Matt. Okay. I want Matt's. I want Matt's. Paul now. Who's oh. right, Andrew or me? Come on. What's the, what are we so, saying? What's what, each side? Oh, Bitcoin. Well, mate, you know, I, I you know the best Bitcoin? way. The best What's way to ask that bad? is. Oh, here we go. Is, gonna, do this, you this have is called framing? This is called framing. <laughs> totally cool. framing. This is framing. This is framing. Another behavior, like behavioral the, weakness here. Change the topic. Uh, a, do you own any kind of crypto? Not what I asked. And B, I. You planning? That's not what I asked either. <laughs> I don't own crypto. I'm not <clears> planning immediately to, but I'm very interested in blockchain. So I'm very interested in who, what companies might be able to use the tech. Um, maybe not Kodak yet. I don't think they've done too much aside from announcing name change. But yeah, very interested in the technology. Okay, that's a nice neutral answer. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. Are you long or hypothetically? Are you long or short? Are you long or short Bitcoin? Uh, I'll, I'll take Buffett's stance on this one. I'm not long it, but I'm not going to short it either. Okay. You said right. How are those splinters? I'm, gonna t I, 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 I'm taking that as a win for Fence me. <laughs> Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. We actually got a really great uh, tweet. Uh, actually, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't have time to get to it from mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Daniel Lewis. Uh, uh, Twitter handle at paths to wellbeing, the number two. Uh, and he, he made the point that you and I were talking a bit about Kogan not long ago. And we sort of mm -hmm. said that I, I think it's overvalued. You think that um, it's undervalued. Mm -hmm. And, and he, he's basically sort of said, you know, um, can you walk me through some, some ideas? Like, give me some homework. To, how do I form my own independent 
opinion of value. Mm. Which is a big reason why we had Matt on the show, because Matt is our is our valuation guru at the Motley Fool. Valuation guru. He does it better than anyone. And and so this is a nice way to sort of hot potato that very difficult question right into Matt's lap and say, Matt, um, and let's start with shares. And then, sure. then so, you've, Andrew, already... you know how I like to interrupt you. <laughs> I'm going to do this one more time. And I'm going to do it only because you've done a great job introducing Matt. Okay. But you buried the lead dramatically. I totally did. So yes, Matt is our valuation guru at The Fool. And, yes. and, and we lean on him for all things valuation. And he keeps us on the straight and narrow. Yep. Uh, it's also worth saying Matt is the portfolio manager for Motley Fool Pro. Thank you. And Pro's current return since inception is 153.3%. And the all odds up 37.7%. So if you're taking score at home, that's an outperformance of about 120 odd points, giving a, give a, we'll take some rounding. So Matt, why, no, no, why I, are we having this guy on the, guy on the show? Isn't it just making us look bad? That's, kind of the, that's, that, that's why we're holding as the expert that we make sure he never comes back again. Uh, okay. So, so Matt, is, Matt is our valuation guru. He knows a lot of stuff, but he's also backing it up with performance. Yeah, those, those two things are important. Off, when it comes to our listeners off, saying, yeah. why would I listen to Matt? That's a pretty strong reason. It's pretty good. Thank you. Too yep. kind. Too kind. All right, back with your question now. Okay, so um, you're looking at a company, mm -hmm. and um, you've you've heard a couple of smart guys on this really cool podcast that you listen yep. to every every week, and they say that what's a good idea with investing is to come up with this independent idea of value mm -hmm. that that, is, that has got nothing to do with what the market price is. Where do you start? Yeah, that is a huge question. I know you could you, you, that, mm. you could do a, a six a six year course on that, but yeah. give us the, the best summary you can. Yeah, so I guess my background was a very traditional kind of value investor. Mm -hmm. So crunching through all the numbers, uh, digging through financial statements, all that good stuff. Uh, the, the trouble with traditional or kind of classical value investing, I think, is it tends to look at companies like they're going to die today and you kind of chop them up for what they're worth. So <laughs> yeah. I kind of think about it like uh, valuing a tree, right? Like the typical view looks at it, says it's about this high, it's this big, it's probably worth that much for its current timber. Yep. Um, but the kind of growth value investing, this is what I've kind of merged towards, mm. uh, looks at that same tree and says, okay, that's actually you know a redwood tree. It's going to grow to be massive. Yes. We shouldn't just be valuing it what it's worth mm. today. We should be thinking about what it's worth tomorrow. Tomorrow. And all good investing should do this, but yep. it's something that um, hasn't always got a lot of focus. So yep. that's kind of where uh, my starting point. That's so, a fun analogy. I like that one. I haven't yeah. heard that before. Cool. Uh, I, Dude, I wrote an update on that last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he said he hadn't read it before. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Correct. <laughs> I just assumed that you hung on every word that I, I penned. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. You know what they say about assuming, don't they? <laughs> Back to Matt. Back to Matt. <laughs> So, so I think about companies in that way, that they're kind of uh, dynamic, um, living in a dynamic kind of operating environment mm. that you should think about them like growing organic entities and yes. they have, they carve out their own little niche, just like, uh, just like other organisms. And so you should be trying to value how much they how big they're going to get. So that's the first point is really understanding the business. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of work trying to understand what the business really does. And when you uh, say how big, are you talking things like sales and their earnings, mm. you know, not necessarily to market share or something more abstract, but you know, how does that translate back into cash flows? Yeah, or? yeah it is. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's, you're getting towards the end there, I guess. The, the first point is just trying to make sure you understand the business itself. Yes. Is this business, the first question you'll be asking, is it going to be a much bigger business, more successful business in the future? Can we hypothetically just use Kogan as an example just to help our listeners kind of okay. follow this process along? Yep. So yeah, sure. let's use Kodak, uh, Kogan. Kogan. Yeah, Kogan. Kogan specifically. So you're going to look at Kogan. What, what questions are you asking? What, what's, what's your mental process around understanding that business? Yeah, so I'd be looking at um, its kind of position in the industry. Mm -hmm. So I'd like companies that uh, are leaders. I think Kogan's 
um, probably a leader in Australia in online sales. So that's that's something positive for it. Mm -hmm. We're looking at the industry itself. Is that industry growing or declining? Mm -hmm. There's no uh, real competitors in online retail. <laughs> as far as I can <laughs> tell. Nah. One, nah, okay. yeah. um, so I'd be looking at that. I'd be looking at all the all the financials for the business itself. Mm. Um, just trying to get a real good handle on the business. Like normally I'd like to talk to the, the leadership of the company, mm. uh, get a handle if they're good or not. Um, I particularly focus on small businesses. And in those cases, I think leadership's even more important. Yeah. Uh, yep. I kind of think of it like um, like you're the captain of a vessel and if you're on a huge ocean liner the captain can only do so much in a short <laughs> bit of time to turn around nice that's analogy. A good point. if you're on a yeah. speedboat a little a little company then they can have a dramatic influence yeah both nice for good one. and for like bad that. Um, stealing that one yeah so a lot of things i look at there just first just really trying to understand the business and then you get to that the mm. next stages of okay how do i come to a number on this and that is as andrew said getting into forecasting the business itself and trying to forecast its cash flows so um, let's say you do that and 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 10 different um well firstly really... how do you do that well that's okay yeah let's do that how, yeah. how do you do that <laughs> it's, it's a really good question there's a thousand different ways to do it as well so it's all about um finding a method that works for you and suits your style uh for me it's about um breaking down what are the drivers of the company and then forecasting those forward so that has two purposes one it's it's very hard i'm never going to nail it right on the mm. on the no, dot right does, yeah. but the process of doing that for me is really helpful because it gets me to think about what are the drivers of this company um you know what's going to drive its revenue what's going to drive its costs mm. Mm. okay so just take scott's point talking mm. about kogan these mm -hmm. guys do uh, online sales so obviously if they're selling more stuff, yeah. if they're moving into different categories, mm -hmm. this might be what you're thinking about in terms of how big the market is and what their share of that market, all of that kind of stuff. So yeah. you're sort of having a, a thumb suck, for want of a better word, on, yeah. on all of those things, and you'll spit out a number at the end of it. Yeah, exactly. So I'd be working down just through their profit and loss statement, trying to right. kind of... Sales at the top, yeah. then costs. A and... simplified version, something that I can yep. get my head around without going into the weeds too far. Yep. Uh, and so it'd be, you know, what are the main um, line items for Kogan? So obviously retail sales have also got some um, new products around pet insurance, I think was the yeah. most recent thing. So yeah, that might awesome. be something if it was growing very fast. <laughs> how are those going to grow? And how much are the costs going to grow as a relationship? And then coming back down to that bottom line of the cash flows. It sounds a lot more complicated than it is. It's basically just trying to get an idea of what the business does. I, I think that's the point I'd argue as well. I, I, I see every, almost everyone in the industry sort of has that broad agreement, but then some people get lost in sort of spreadsheet land where you start mistaking your guesses. Mm. You can use the word forecast to make it sound more scientific, but guesses as fact. Yep. And and you very easily arrive on these really precise numbers. Mm. And and then you start treating that as reality. And that's I think that way danger lies. But to your point, it is more the exercise in trying to understand the dynamics of the business and having a ballpark. You don't have to I think people 100%. get people get worried that they need to have a really accurate idea as to what Kogan's cash flows might be in five years time. But it's really, you know, are, you, are we talking about sales growing at sort of mid single digits? Or double digits, you know, that kind of thing. And where does that sort of land out? Okay, so we've done all of that. Sorry, yeah. Matt, Matt's here as the expert, yeah. <laughs> Just trying to make myself sound smart. I'm trying to ride coattails here, Scott. I'm trying to impress my friends. And you just. Poured cold water all over it. I, I think that's a, that's, a, fine. that's a worthy goal. That's it's a worthy fine. goal. Okay, step, step number two. So you've got cash yeah. flows. We've got, yeah, we've, yeah. we've got so, a cash flow forecast for Kogan. Yeah. So I guess the other point I'd make there, you do, I do end up typically landing on one point, yep. but I see that as being like one point within a cloud of, mm. of future probabilities. Yep. Um, Error bars kind of, around it, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. kind of to get philosoph philosophical about it. There's a lot of different ways this could play out. I mm. don't think that it's even possible to predict one of them, but I just see that being kind of like the midpoint of where that could lie and constantly trying to change that over time. Some new news awesome. comes out. Is that better or worse? Is that How does that shift things? I'm going to interrupt you very yep. quickly. 
because that's what I do here. You mentioned cash flows a couple of times. Mm. Most of the listeners are thinking, what about profits? Yeah. Just just a very quick version of why cash flow, not profit. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the short version is that profits can be manipulated and right. they don't always represent the kind of true cash the business can generate. So there's a whole mm-hmm. lot of accounting stuff that can happen. Um, some of it very good, but some of it can be bad. And so so Transurban, just, for example, reports almost no profit, but does a truckload of cash flow. That is a really good example because they are very smart at, um, at figuring out how to not pay taxes, perhaps. That's a nice way to put it. <laughs> how to minimize their, their tax Legally inappropriately. In a so completely legally inappropriate way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, that's a, re- that's a really shining example. You can obviously go the other way where companies um, report right. huge profits because they like, because uh, a lot of people don't like to dig down in cash flows and it can be a problem. So, yeah, nice. both, both forms. So, no, sorry, back to Andrew's question. Once you've got those cash flows, how do you turn it into a price you're prepared to pay? Yeah, so it's um, predicting the next... Um, several years of that um, and then discounting those cash flows back to the future. So oh, come what on. are those going to be worth today? This is where I say to Andrew, Andrew, you do the Scott version of that. Guy. Okay, well, let's, let's discounting back. Yeah. Uh, why and how? Yeah, so um, why is adjusting back? So if I've got a dollar, of, if I've yeah. got a dollar of earnings in twenty twenty, why flow. can't I just oh, cash flow? Thank you. Why don't I? Why don't I've got a dollar? Well, why why not call it a dollar? Yeah, so I guess the starting point would you rather have a hundred dollars in five years time or hundred dollars today? Ah. And you're a very smart guy, Andrew. So I know Thank you're going to say a hundred dollars today because oh, I can yes, go and put I, that I, in the bank. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> and that money's going to grow. <laughs> Plus, there's going to be inflation probably over time. Yep. So those are a couple of examples. Um, there's there's a, also, there is a time value of there's money. There's a time value of money, exactly. And there's some risk that you're taking yes. um, in the future. I might not actually give you that money, so you'd much rather have it today. Yep. That's the other component. So you also want to... some reward for waiting, right? If I can't have the money today and spend it, I want some reward for waiting another five years to get the cash. 100%. Opportunity cost. And that's yep. probably the biggest driver of it. Yep, um, right. You want some, exactly as Scott said, you want some reward for waiting. So that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to pull all those yeah. back to today. How much do I want to pay for that today, knowing, well, expecting that I'm going to get all these cash flows in the future? So, and, and how would you discount that back? Is it that you say that I, I want sort of 10% each year for the for the risk and for the, 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 the uh, for waiting? Or is it 5%? Is it 20%? What, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much right. I think around 10% is the long-term return of the share market. Mm-hmm. So it's like a good starting point yep. for, the, for the discount rate that we use. You will hear but discount exactly rate that. banged about. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what, that's um, but it's, it's exactly that. It's, I, I imagine I'm going to buy the whole business today. I don't imagine yep. I'm valuing a share. The whole business, I like to pretend I'm even bigger than I am. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> uh, obviously, I'm not always doing that, but I imagine that I am. And then uh, I take it over and then I would pay, you know, a billion dollars for this business and I should get $3 billion worth back over the next 10 years, hypothetically. That would be a good investment for me um, because I'm buying it for a lot less than I think I'm going to get paid for it um, as it it completes the course of its business and continues to grow and continues to reward shareholders. And so I'm going to ask you one probably last question unless Andrew's got another burning one. You say 10% because that's kind of roughly what the market returns. Why would you want to use the market benchmark as your discount rate? Yeah, so I guess we're, it, it varies per company. Mm-hmm. So for a standard company, we'd be saying that it's about as risky as the rest of the market. Right. So that's kind of like a starting point. And then if a company is particularly more risky or those things are more uncertain, it might use a higher number or potentially a lower number, I guess, if the company is particularly safe. So And broadly the market rate because you could get the market return without Yeah, exactly. Exactly risk. right, Scott. So you don't need to take company risk. You could buy an index fund and get that market return. So that's kind of the starting point um, for that investment. Uh, and then we're trying to, I'm kind of getting onto maybe another topic, but then we try and put those together into a portfolio. And it's not just about one company, it's about how we can balance all those together. So some might be lower risk and that allows us to take higher risk in other places. I'm the Motley Fool's Director of Research. I'm going to take a 
massive opportunity here for a shameless plug because you mentioned putting him into a portfolio mm -hmm. and I can't help myself but mention that as you do run Motley Full Pro, we are reopening Motley Full Pro for new members. Come this weekend, the first emails will go out. Next week will be an opportunity to join Motley Full Pro only for members of other services. So if you're listening to this, you're a member of one of our other services, keep your eyes and ears open. You get a chance to hear some more from Matt, uh, get a chance to have a, a little bit of a peek behind the curtain um, and sample some of those potentially significant returns that have been achieved in the past and I personally believe will be achieved in the future, though we should say there's no guarantees. Mm -hmm. um, that's that's the Motley Fool Pro story. Um, if you're not a member yet, you can join one of our other services, Share Advisor that I run or Dividend Investor that Andrew runs and get your invitation that way. So um, apologies for the shameless plug but I couldn't help myself. Nice one. Got to do right? it, right? You got to do it. <laughs> but uh, seriously, look, uh, you know, uh, yes, it's a shameless plug. Uh, the beauty of, of working on Motley Fool is we get to sell products that we actually believe in. And those sort of returns mm. that Matt's delivered for members on, of Motley Fool Pro are just staggeringly impressive. So, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 if, if, if there's if there's if there's anything more worth selling than a service that does that sort of return, I don't know what is. Yeah, so for sure. I would unless, hardly unless recommend it's mine, look of at course, it. which goes without saying. <laughs> Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. So anyway, let's let's wrap this up. Um, we have just tackled a huge topic, and Matt, you've done an excellent job of summarising that very neatly. As always, we would invite more questions if people would like any clarification, mm -hmm. if you'd like to pick into a particular area of that. We are more than certainly happy to do that kind of stuff. How can people get in touch with us? Andrew? They can get in touch with us. Well, oh, we think Twitter, I think, is the best Twitter's way the best of way doing do that. Um, we're, we're all about social media these days, being oh, young and hip as we, we are. <laughs> Um, all the cool kids. All the cool kids. We haven't quite made it to Instagram yet, though. No. We're not that cool. We're not that cool. Let's, let's so face it. The Snapchat? Motley Fool. Snap what? What's that? <laughs> we'll talk about that later. The Motley Fool AU is our Twitter handle. You can email us at info at fool.com.au if you want to. And our fantastic member services, Fools, will we'll be able to pass those on. But The Motley Fool AU is the best Twitter handle to throw us your questions, comments, feedback. Yep. If you want to hear more from Matt, let us know. We will delete those tweets because it makes Andrew and I feel bad. <laughs> uh, but if you like what Andrew and I are doing, please tell us and we'll mention it on the podcast next week. That is awesome. Thank you very much, Scott, as always. Thank you, Andrew. And Thank Matthew, you, Matt. thanks for joining us. Thank you. Don't Pleasure. forget, you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And you should. And you should. Man, we've got to mix this up, don't Why? we? Every single week. People we would just... be disappointed if we didn't really? do this. Okay. Well, I would. Well, can I just record it once and then just play it at the end? That's, it's different. That's... It's fresh. It's oh, it's... We, we do this sort of stuff. The interplay like this makes it sound fresher. Totally worth so it. So people listen and they go, oh, that's really interesting. The totally guys are great. Totally worth it. These guys are fantastic. And if you'd like to see a little bit more, you Tom can always says. go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. That's the one. Until next week, full on. Full on. Full on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.